Good to see you tonight. It's great to have Pastor Kevin, Pete, and Margaret, Pete, with us uh, again uh, this year with us. And uh, Kevin and Margaret, as we know, many of us know them very well. Some of you maybe for the first time tonight, but have a real heart for the church, for you and I, for the God's people, the church, or heart for God, and a heart to connect people, the church, and people with God's heart. So um, we're delighted that they're with us. So let's give them a big round of applause so we Amen. welcome them and welcome Kevin Amen. Tom. Bless you. I might need your help in the sermon. Hallelujah. So that means you can't go out. Good evening. Well, I thought at one point it was Star Trek up there. I thought the girl was going to disappear. I thought you were about to dematerialize at one point and go to the land where all Christians go to live, Derby County Football Club. And I'm a Derby boy. I um, was born in Derby almost, almost 60 years ago. feel like I'm on home territory. People with the same sense of silly humor. And it's just great to be here tonight with you. And... Um, I don't know about you, I just thought it was just, that was just great worship. I mean, I remember when Tim was about 12 and became the worship leader um, here. And I mean, all these years later, you're still keeping it fresh, Tim. Well done. Can I tell you, I go to some worship sessions when I get bored. It's not awful. But some people can play great music, but it's all about whether that leads us somewhere. But not about musical ability. I, I was in Canada recently, and one of my friends in America says that they've stopped call, calling their main guy or main girl the worship leader, and they've switched it around, and they've called them, they now call them lead worshipper. And I thought, well, what, what a wonderful way of doing it, just a simple way of turning things around. So it's not, the leader isn't the emphasis, the emphasis is worshipper. Because when worship happens, it draws you into it. I don't know whether you notice how the meeting changed, because... I thought you looked quite tired at the start, and the, thinking, well, what's on the telly tonight? And I've come out here, and I could be watching The Voice with that bloke from One Eyed Peas, whatever they're called, Split Eyed, whatever. <laughs> Tonight's going to be a great night. Anyway, I won't be singing anymore. Um, but I don't know about you. I hope you're here tonight, guys. Whatever age you are, do you believe God has a destiny for your life? I think that's nearly all of you. I go to lots of churches where people think destiny stops at 30. You know, it's all about young people. And, it's, and they only have something to get... If you, once, you, once you get over 30, Tim, it's one way, mate. But I know in my life, um, the decades have been quite important. And it just seems to be some kind of coincidence. But when I was 20, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And it was a very significant thing because I was in the Brethren. And they didn't agree with it. And so they gave me the DCS, Don't Come Sunday Award. But, I, but I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have swapped that experience. My life changed and I fell in love with Jesus. When I was round about 30, um, I was an engineer and I was desperate to get into the ministry. And I, I hit 30 and I put down the whole idea. I thought, well, I'm going to just be an engineer, be a youth leader. Then out of the blue, the doors began to open after my 30th birthday and I became a pastor. And uh, when I was 40, 1994, and I think this church, if you were here in 1994, you will, you will know what I'm talking about. I, I hit 40, and God decided to celebrate my birthday by pouring out his spirit all over the world. It, it was nothing to do with Toronto. It was my birthday why, why all those things happened. But I, I hit 40, and there was this amazing 
wonderful. And for those of you who are too young to remember it, it wasn't only as good as people talk about it, it was better. It was just this amazing time. And when I hit 50, um, 50 was another big decade for me, and I gave up being the local church pastor in Glasgow at 50, and I became full-time doing, looking after two regions um, within Elim. So I'm, for those who know Gordon Neal, I do the same job as Gordon Neal, but I do it in Scotland in the northwest of England. And, um, and uh, this year, I've got another birthday coming up. And uh, I, I'm quite a... Oh, don't swear. Uh, yes, this, this year, I know you're staggered, but this year I hit 60. But, but I tell you, I, I, I'm looking forward that God might be doing something new. Because destiny, you sang repeatedly over and over again, our God is able. And I'm so pleased. I'm sure you know it's, that's obviously from the Bible, two places. It's, it talks about God is able, able to do more than we ever hope or dream of. And when they're in the fiery furnace, it says our God is able to deliver you from the furnace. So twice that was used scripturally, that song. But I know this, guys. God is able, but why is it so few Christians get to the end of their life and fulfill their destiny? I I remember when I was a young minister, I heard a, a famous preacher called Ray McCauley just say this, and I was about 32, and he said, And he just threw it out in the middle of a conference. I have no idea where he got this fact from. Probably he didn't, but I would say 30 years later, I would think, as I've watched the lives of many, many Christians, I think this fact was true. Somehow, round about the figures, he said, in his opinion, only 10% of Christians fulfilled their destiny. And I know I just sat sat on the front of the second row. I didn't question the fact or say, show me the figures. In my heart, I had this groaning within me that, Lord, I want to be in the 10%. I want to get to the end. Keep pushing through to my destiny. You see, God is able, absolutely, 100%, 1 billion times God is able. But the truth is, we have our part to play. If you're going to go for your destiny, you have to keep walking. And, and then you kept singing that song about walking. And Adrian, also, when you were just talking about trust, my first point, so you confirm what I'm going to preach about tonight when you were just talking in a moment or two. But I want to talk about the fact that if we have a destiny and we're going to move towards it, nearly all of you said yes, we have got to learn how to overcome obstacles. Because the Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but powers and principalities. And yes, God has a destiny. God wants us to get old disgracefully and wants us to still be going for gold in our latter years. I think more and more people who are 60 plus, doors are going to be opening for mission trips because now six is the new 45. And and I tell you, it's not a question of hanging on. And I would hate to think, I don't know about you, for those who are my age and older, I'd hate to think all of my adventures were, were yesterday. It would be so sad to think, well, I've done that. And I find in the world, so many people seem, my age seem to be living their, their life through the lives of their children or even their grandchildren when God says, you've still got breath, this thing's for you to do. And, but I just know that tonight, that if we're going to overcome and, and, and take hold of our tomorrows, which is one of my phrases I've used a lot over the years, if you're going to take hold of your tomorrows, you've got to come out of yesterday's shadows. 
you've got to come out of the shadows and you've got to realize that, yes, as we're going for it, and I know every step I've made, the simple fact I'm on this platform, those of you again know me well, I had a speech impediment. I used to stutter when I was a teenager. I cannot believe I'm earning my living doing the thing that everyone laughed at me. And yes, God did a wonderful thing, but I had to step out of the boat and had to take that first step of doing something, even though I felt I could never do it. I had to overcome an obstacle. And I've just realized every step of my life, I'm going through all the decades, to get through to that next level, I have had to do my part. God wants to do his part 100%. But if you're going to live your destiny and fulfill your life... You have got to step through. And uh, I'm going to use the Bible analogy of a Jericho tonight and talk about how Jericho fell down and how whenever you're walking towards your destiny, the enemy seems to throw up a Jericho, something that you think you cannot get over. That sickness, that broken relationship, something in your life that says, I just, I, I, I'm never going to get there because this is too big. I'm not going to overcome it. Yet we've just sang our God is able, we've talked about his strength, we've sang about his blood, we've sang about the cross, but there comes a point when we have to take it off the screens and away from music and say, is that true for Kevin? Can I walk through to the next level of my destiny? Can I pursue God in such a way that whatever the enemy throws at me, the walls are going to come tumbling down? Amen? Five of us believe that. I can't see the back row, so you can sleep. It's okay out there. I don't know why. I think a bit more for the offering, so you can put, put a bob in the meter, so you can get some lights on. Um, but but it's, it's, it's the new modern thing they do in church now. It's like all subdued, and everyone starts kissing on the back row, so I'm watching. Don't stop it. Oh, there's some snogging going down there. Stop it. I remember in Lamborghini, oh, no, I won't go there. <laughs> I got a, thank God I've learned red lights come up every now and again, so not, 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 not to invade that. If you've got your Bibles with you, you're going to read. I'm going to read um, from Joshua chapter 5 and a bit of jo- Joshua chapter 6. And um, I may have even preached about this before in years gone by here, but I don't pride myself in thinking you can remember all that I said. Um, it's it's well, well forgotten, but I've got some fresh thoughts as well as some stuff that's been new there. And so... Chapter 5, verse 13. If it's too dark, just trust me. And I, I've got new glasses. I'm trying very focals for the first week. And, um, and so if I start going like noddy, it's just I'm trying, I'm trying to find the spot when I can read. It says in verse 13, Now when Joshua was near Jericho, notice he's getting near Jericho. That's, that's the intimidation. That's the picture of your problem. That's the finance. That's your health. That's the, that's the relationship issue. That's the problem in church life. That, that's the stuff that you think is really big. It says, has he got near Jericho? He looked up. And what did he see? You see, my question before we even start the sermon, when you look up, what do you see? Do you see Jericho or do you see Jesus? It's a massive question. You'll never, you'll never ever get through to your obstacle if all you see is the obstacle. As he got near Jericho, he looked up and he saw, and what did he see? He saw um, 
an angel, he said that, read it again, he said, looked up and he saw a, a man standing in front of him who, with a drawn sword in his hand, Joshua went up to him and asked, are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied, but as commander of the army of the Lord. Now hear this, for those who don't know, understand the Bible, we believe this, this is, a, is a theophany. This is a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus because Joshua bows down to him. We don't bow down to angels. Um, the, all the scholars would agree that this was Jesus appearing in the Old Testament in the form of an angel. And so when Joshua looked up, he saw Jesus. When often we are facing Jerichos, we look up and we see the Jericho. And the problem is, what you focus on is what you see. If you'll focus on the issues that say, no, you can't do it, speech impediment, health issues. If you focus on those things, then you'll not get there. But what Tim was doing, which he's been doing for years now, is getting you to change your focus. It's to get your focus upwards. Look up from whence comes our help. And we can't do the things that we want to do without his help. And we've got to see Jesus in the situation, otherwise Jericho's will intimidate us. And so it says, the commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. And I'm going to read a few verses in chapter 6. And you will all be familiar with this. And if you came from Sunday school days, you all sang the song uh, about the walls come tumbling down. But I would like you to imagine, just, just to imagine, you'd never heard this before. And this was the first time you ever heard what a weird strategy to bring down Jericho. Come on. We said God is able. Couldn't God just go like that and the wall come tumbling down? Couldn't, couldn't God just blow from heaven and blow the wall down? Couldn't there be a lightning bolt from heaven? Why the paraphernalia of what happens? And I think, it, I think it's significant. And so, now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its kings and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, my word, he's a fit expert. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests, blowing their trumpets, and when you hear the sound of a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up, everyone straight in. And so Joshua, son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, take up the ark of the covenant of the Lord and have seven priests carry trumpets in front of it. And he ordered the army, advance, march around the city with an armed guard going ahead of the ark of the Lord. And when Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets before the Lord went forward, blowing their trumpets, and the ark of the Lord's covenant followed them. The armed guard marched ahead of the priests who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard followed the ark. All this time, the trumpets were sounding. But Joshua had commanded the army, do not give a war cry, do not raise your voices, do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout, then shout. I mean, let's be honest, we know the end of the story, the walls came down. But just imagine if next Sunday Adrian stands here 
and says, guys, I'm so excited. You cannot believe how excited I am. I'm so excited I didn't do my hair today. That's how excited I am. My hair has never been out of place for 32 years. But today you may notice, in fact, I was talking to Darren and Jackie Johnson this morning, and they, they were to tell you at college, they said, is his hair still perfect? I said, it's, got, it's gone grey, it's gone grey, but it's still perfect. It's perfectly grey. But just imagine, next week, if, if, he, if he, he comes to the platform, Tim has led 14 hours of worship, and, and uh, just comes forward, he says, guys, God's given me the key for revival in Long Eaton. Listen, everyone leans forward. You're about to hear there's going to be an amazing revival in revival. And what we've got to do in Long Eaton, we're all taking a week off work, no pay. And what we're going to do, we're going to get some lorries and we're going to put the praise praise band, but, but only trumpets. And we're going to all walk around Long Eaton, past where your mother-in-law is, past where your father-in-law lives, past your sister. You're not going to say a word and you're going to walk around Long Eaton Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And guess what? On Sunday, Lord, this, is, this word is so powerful. We're going to walk around Long Eaton seven times on Sunday because it's a Sabbath. And then we're all going to shout and Long Eaton will be saved. I have a sneaking suspicion that one or two of you will come along to Helen on the first day it's announced at Helen. Has he been having too much cheese? For those who think he might be on medication, you might have said, has he taken his tablets? If Helen says it's God, I've got a sneaking feeling you'd be going to people like Sally and say, Sally, you're an elder here. Do something about it. The man's lost it. Send for the yellow van. I mean, this, this is outrageous. We happen to know it works, and we sang it as children, but be honest, in today's world... If we were told that God was going to move this way, how many of us would even turn up Monday morning? Honestly. And certainly, by Tuesday, you'll be washing your hair. By Wednesday, your leg will be hurting. Because it's just such a weird thing to do. But Jericho was such an imposing figure. They said that they could drive, was it three chariots in a line around the city wall? It was an imposing. And God says, that land's going to be yours if you'll do what I say. And so in just a moment, I want to unpack that for you. And I'm just believing God will speak to us because I really, I'm a busy man. Really, I'm busy. I'm quite tired tonight, to be honest. I, I must admit, uh, tonight would have been a night, watch the record match of the day, go to sleep, I, I, I'd have been happy. England won against the rugby, but the jolly Welsh got the championship, but never mind. You know, the Irish, sorry, thank you. you, you that's why you were late, Annette. You, you're watching the rugby, weren't you? And, uh, You've got to think about Brian O'Driscoll, I know that. Stop it. You've got to repent about that. And uh, because I'm t- but I honestly believe, I don't know many of you. I know some of you very well, but some of you, you, you're new to me. But I honestly believe that you have a destiny. And you know, and I, I love your pastoral couple. They're great. They're lovely couple. But they can't, they can't fulfill your destiny. With all due respect to Sally and David, they can't fulfill it. Tim, you can't fulfill it. Only you can fulfill your destiny. And only you can make the steps to walk through. God's able. God's willing. God wants to bless. God wants to equip. God wants to help. But there's a little bit that we have to do. And I think that is where so many Christians make the mistake of thinking, well, God, come on, then do it. And sometimes we have got to to work with him. 
and do that. But I'm going to, I'm going to pray in just a moment. Before I just pray, because I, 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 when you preach as often as I do, you can talk forever. And I don't want to talk forever. I want to try and be succinct. And I want to get to the point when we can respond to the Holy Spirit. Because wouldn't it be wonderful if one or two Jerichos fell tonight? Wouldn't it be wonderful if one or two cracks came in the walls of what's facing you? What is if you got a bit of an insight, a bit of, bit of, bit of a view that you think, you know, I can do this, I can keep walking. Because I know tonight, I mean, other than the pastor's kids, you've all volunteered to be here. I mean, I mean it's been a three-line wife. Do I have to go near that fat guy again? I've heard all of his jokes. Yes, you're my daughter, come on. But for most of you, you've come out of your own volition. This, isn't, this, is, this is extra work tonight. So I assume I'm talking to keen people. Otherwise, what are you doing here? Unless you have some kind of dementia where you think it's Sunday. So, but I don't want to let you know it's not. It's Saturday night. But I tell you, I tell you, I'm with keen people. But I know even though I'm with the keener people in the church, I still know that so many Christians don't fulfill... Wherever I go, people come to me in tears and say, I've missed the boat. I married the wrong person. I did the wrong... I took the wrong job. I, I, I turned down Bible college, but I, I, I went for the high-paid job, and I've got the big car, and I've got the flashy... I've got the trophy wife or the trophy husband, but my word, I've missed God's best. And, and it's so sad when you talk to people, but I want to tell you, I don't care how old you are, you can finish in your bullseye you can finish in your bullseye that choice is yours just to mention at the back there many of you have got Margaret's books this, this is not, not my daughter it is my wife um, she's had a very good life looked after her very well um, 35 years of married this year it's amazing to think and just about 10 years ago she began to put down some of the stories of our life and our passion is to see Christians get healed um, a phrase I've been using for 20 years almost now, hurt people, hurt people, hold people, heal people. And um, I came from a very fragmented background, and when we moved to Glasgow and we saw the church grow from 50 to 400, it was full of broken people. So when we left the church some 10 years ago or more, um, we wrote about Glaswegians, and these are two books, The White Elephant and The Seagull, just 11 testimonies in each book of real-life Glaswegians who didn't just find Christ, just didn't know God was able, but they walked and saw their Jerichos crumbling down through issues like divorce and abuse and sexual problems and all kinds of issues of life, and they overcome them. And uh, they're at the back there. Um, Dear Sally, you'll know about, but probably my favorite book at the moment, Margaret's latest book, is um, That's Our Dog. He's, he's in the car. His name is Jack. Um, and he's available for porographs at the end of the meeting. That's when he was a puppy. We have a heart, our, two, our twin messages are the Father heart of God really in getting healed up from life's problems. And so Margaret wanted to write a book for people that didn't read books and for people who were not particularly religious. So this book's a great tool. We just had led a young man to Jesus, one of Margaret's pupils from school 35 years ago, giving his heart to Jesus, um, reading this book. And we're just so grateful. And it's, it's 31 devotions all about the Father heart of God from the book of Psalms Every day tells a picture, um, tells, tells about the dog. So they're there. They're all seven pounds. They're at the door. They'll be here and tomorrow. Let me pray. Father, I just pray, Lord, it's an awesome privilege to be in Long Eaton. I feel at home. I feel I'm, I'm amongst friends. I feel amongst, amongst people, Lord, that think like I think, have a similar sense of humor. Lord, people, Lord, and it's a church that whenever I've been here, 
I've always sensed you. Lord, sometimes more stronger than others. Sometimes we've done, we've done conferences together. Sometimes it's just been a... remember coming at Christmas and thought, wow, the presence of God is here Christmas. That's amazing. And Lord, I just really pray that as I try to unpack how to overcome the Jerichos, the obstacles that we face, I pray, Lord, that through the foolishness of preaching, different voice, different way of doing it, for those of us who are facing a Jericho right now, and Lord, I don't have to move in the spirit to know amongst the number of people like this, almost certainly there'll be people here who are facing some kind of Jericho. It could be a health issue. could be a marital scenario. Lord, it could be some financial problem. It could be a job with career and work. But Lord, sometimes these things come, Lord, and they want, the, the, the root of it is the enemy who doesn't want us to reach our tomorrows and wants us to miss our destiny. And Lord, I pray tonight, Lord, that we would not just make a decision to say God is able, but Lord, we'll begin to make those steps towards our Jericho. And Lord, that we will see Jerichos begin to fall and to crack. And Lord, that you would have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. I was so interested when Adrian talked about trust. Because the first thing I want to... I'm going to share three principles from this passage. Three principles that will help you go to bring down your obstacles. That will help Jericho's to come down in your life. And the first one is, we have to walk in the spirit of trust. And you mentioned the word trust. You said it about ten times. I don't know whether you remember. Trust. Trust is an amazing thing. And we've been married 34 years, 35 years this year. And one of the things that is amazingly good about a good marriage is that it's great trust. But if ever you have a massive issue in a, in a marriage, almost the hardest thing to get back is trust. Nearly always that you, ha- you have the desire to, but trust is such a... It's, such a, it's like holding sand in your hand. It's, it's such a hard thing. We all know about it. And here, did you notice when I read the passage... They were told to walk around the city, but not talk. They were commanded from speaking. You can't speak. Walk around the city. Because as I intimated, I am sure many, many Christians miss out on Jericho's falling because they don't trust, they start to talk. And they miss the miracle. Have you ever heard something prophetically and it's stewing inside of you and you tell people about what you're seeing and somehow it all falls flat and you've shared it too soon? Have that ever happened to you? You see something that's so instant, so powerful and rather than praying into it, you either stand up and share it and somehow it's like it evaporates into the air. Think, what happened there? It really was God. And there are times when we have to keep walking towards our Jericho and we have to make a decision. Do we trust God when we don't trace him? You see, it's very easy to walk through difficulties when you really understand what God is doing and saying. But I've got to tell you, there's things in my life that's happened that I do not understand God's will, this side of heaven. But the $64,000 question for Kevin and Margaret is, do we keep trusting him when we can't trace him. For those of you who know your Bibles well, listen to me. I, I think I'm correct in saying this. I've looked. No one's corrected me yet. Nowhere in the Bible is God committed to tell you why he does what he does this side of heaven. 
When we get to heaven, we're told the secrets of all hearts will be made known. And when we get to heaven, we'll know why illness. We'll know why someone died. We'll know why this stuff happens. But nowhere in the scriptures does God say, I will explain everything to you about how I'm working. In fact, he says, my ways are not your ways. My ways are higher than your ways. We will never understand the way God works in our life completely. But the question is, will you trust him when you can't trace it? It's, and he's so gracious that there are times when he's explained things. When I get to heaven, God willing, if I have my five minutes with him by myself, I've got a few questions that I don't understand. We have no children. We would have loved to have had children. Never happened for us. We prayed for children. People prophesied children. Never happened. Why did Margaret's mum die at 56? Why did my brother die? When he was 57, why did his son get killed at five, six years of age in a car accident? We've got questions. Stuff's happened to us that I do not understand, but we have made a choice that we're going to trust him when we can't trace him. Now, that's easy to preach. It sounds nice, trust, trace, two T's. It sounds good alliteration, but there is a, a measure of whether you achieve your destiny when you decide whether whether you're going to trust this God you're given, your our God is able. But sometimes it appears it's not worked the way we think. And here, they're told not talk, don't talk about it. And again, I may have shared this illustration here, so please forgive me. Um, but it made me smile, so I, I like to talk about it. I've got two artificial knees, and um, they were when when I was 50, that that knee was replaced. And um, life of prayer does that for you. It gets, gets worn out. And, on your knees, me and Annette, we've both, we've both had a life of prayer. Adrian, your knees are perfect. What, what, does that, what, does, what does that tell the child? Sorry, didn't want to know. No, he works out. But I used to do a lot of running. When I was younger, we, I used to do a lot of sport, played a lot of football. Every goal I scored was Kevin Hector, you know, all the things you do when you're young and I damaged my knees because I'm, I'm slightly flat-footed, so I was never a natural athlete, so I used to run on pavements. And so when I was 50, I'm due to go in for my first knee replacement, and uh, I'm a guy. And ladies, you know, men don't do pain. We talk a good game, but we don't do pain. You know, that's why God said you have babies. Because we all know if men had had babies, the world would have ended 7,000 years ago. Because after the first round of babies, that would have been time out, you're in the spare room. I'm sorry. There would have been no more babies because it, what you have to go through, well, and why you do it more than once, God alone knows. But, but you seem to have to get blessed memories to go, go, go through it again. And so I'm due my knee operation. I've got a few weeks to go. I go to the annual conference and, I, and I'm a little bit anxious about it. I, I mean, it's quite a serious operation, and, but I'm a little bit nervous. And I have this really daft idea really daft thinking back I know a pastor who's just had it and so at conference I think I'll have a chat to him about how it went on big mistake he was Welsh he is Welsh he's not dead and I went to him and I said to him how did you go oh boy oh boy oh I've never had pain like it pain off the scale Boy, oh, let's, let's sit down. And so he rolled his leg up, and he showed me the scar, and I, I've got the same scar. It's about this long. He says, he says oh, he said, oh, the pain. But he 
worse for you? It was worse. It got worse. I'm getting a bit dry at the back of my throat. He says, yes. Infection? <laughs> got infection? He says, it wasn't in the wound. He was in the bladder. Got infection in the bladder. And before I could stop him, the next thing he says was, catheter? Catheter? I'm sat having a coffee at this Christian conference. I'm hearing about the worst pain that's been known to man. Scars this long. Bladder infections. Catheterization. He said, boil? It got worse, boil? I thought, did you die? Thank you very much. I've got one here already, but don't you? But it's very kind of you. That was so nice of you. You could... No, I wasn't really dry. That's just, I'm, just, it's, I'm telling the story. But I'm so pastoral just for you. So he said, Boyo, we get worse. It's got worse, Boyo. I said, I think, did you die? Did you die? He said, no. He says, it came for the day to get the catheter out. And this, this West Indian lady came, put the rubber gloves on. And I'm laying there, and she said, hello, pastor. I really enjoyed your sermon last week. And he looked up, he's a member of his church. I'm at a Christian conference. Did I go to bed singing, oh, God is able... Jesus won it all at the cross. No, I go to bed, I'm thinking of infection. Bladders, catheters, infections. You see, I talked about something just a few days before I was about to enter into it. And I, I had a couple of days of real angst that I think the key was not to have taught, it was just to trust. I went in, didn't get infections, didn't get catheters, had the operation, had the knee, and it's done didn't have any of his problems. But you see, the truth is, sometimes we have to keep walking in trust and not to speak because sometimes by our confession, we almost lose that anointing that God has given us. And you know, sometimes you don't always run in your Christian life. We're supposed to be on the thread, but sometimes, you know, it's one step at a time. I'm going to put my trust in Jesus. Even though the intimidation of Jericho is over my life and I'm facing really difficult circumstances, God has spoken to me. I believe that he is able to help me. Now, whose report am I going to trust? Doctors are wonderful people, but they can give you a bad report. But can I say, with all due respect to doctors, only God gives the final report. They can give you a bad report, but God gives you the final report. And sometimes when you're facing difficulties, it's saying, well, I'm going to keep my trust in you, not just the song. But it's that choosing to keep walking towards your Jericho and not heading back and begin to walk to those things. And I could tell you many stories from the book, but I don't have time to do that. The second thing I want, I want to say is, second principle, if we have to walk, the second thing is very interesting. I wonder if I could borrow the drummer. This is for this illustration. Would you mind... What I'd like you to do is come behind the drum kit. I hope you don't mind. I hope you're not embarrassed. Most drummers aren't embarrassed. Big round of applause for the drummers. What's your name? 
Tom, thanks, Tom. Come behind there. And I'd like you for 20 seconds. This, this, this is your Muppet moment, magic, <laughs> magic moment. For 20 seconds, as a visual aid, I want you to hit the drums as hard as you can. Make as much, much effort. Um, just for about 20 we, we don't want to be killed, but for 20 seconds, I'd like you to use all the timbles, cymbals, trumbles, bumbles, whatever they are out there, bash them. And I'd like to illustrate something in a moment, because my second point is going to be, in a moment or two, we need to praise in the spirit of faith. Notice, they blew trumpets. They went around blowing a trumpet. Why? In those days, most armies marched to drums. But I want to illustrate what drums are like. Tom, this is your moment, 20 seconds... And if we don't like it, we'll all turn our chair around. So, no, but for 20 seconds, would you give Tom a bit of, a bit of encouragement, please? Thank you, Tom. Amen. Oh, thanks, Tom. Thank you very much. That's great. Thank you so much for volunteering. Thanks, Tom. God bless you. I don't know whether you noticed something. That looked hard work. If Tom, if Tom kept going for another five minutes, you'd notice something would begin to happen. His shirt would start to change colour. Because there's something about when you play the drums. I know when one of those famous um, Ginger Baker... When, when, he, when they, they put, was it, was it Cream? Was that the group that he was in, this famous old rock group? When Ginger Baker came back in his 60s, he could only play for about 40 minutes. He couldn't do the whole set because of the, of the amount of energy that was needed to play the drums. That, it's such a physical thing. And that was a wonderful illustration, what I'm meaning about we've got to, to praise in the spirit of faith. Drums are a picture of man's effort. Very loud. Lots of activity, lots of external sweat. A trumpet player, if I had one here with us, that, and if they stood here with a trumpet and stood here very still and picked a trumpet and began to blow a trumpet, from your perspective, it would seem very little effort. But the truth is, there's as much effort going on, but it's not external, it's internal. Trumpets are breath instruments. It's all about breath. It's all about your diaphragm. It's all about your muscle control. It's about lip muscles. And good trumpet players can stand there and play this wonderful lot of notes. And it appears not much effort is taking place. Can I tell you something? Jericho's do not fall by man or woman's effort. Jericho's only fall by the power of the Spirit. They're only four by the power. It's all about, you see, you all look, all of you, look wonderful Christians to me because I can't tell. I can't tell about your internal workings, spiritual things. You, most of you are listening. One or two in the back row are sleeping, but it's dark, I understand. Um, I, I, I don't know. You all look to me like you've got your two eyes, nose and a mouth, and you love Jesus. Some of you could be sat here thinking, for goodness sake, matter of the days on here now, get off it. I'm starving, I want an Indian. But I can't tell that. You all look, because you see, externally you all look the same. But you see, your spiritual disciplines of your private prayer life, your devotions, your time soaking in God. This afternoon, I got, we, we had a regional morning this morning. We got to the hotel about 4 o'clock, um, got into the hotel. 
and absolutely shattered after a couple of very heavy days. And I got onto the bed and I put on a soaking CD and I spent an hour before I came out here just soaking in the presence of God because I can get by with experience, but it's in half better when you've got a slight bit of anointing. But you see, for many people, you don't know the difference because you can put it all together in a package when you're a professional. And there's lots of churches, there's lots of programs out there that are all about man's effort. Let me tell you, Jerry, say it again, Jericho's do not fall by man's effort, they fall by the breath of the Spirit. And it's about you on your journey towards your Jericho. Keep receiving the Holy Spirit. In one of the books there, there's a story in the book we call him You. That's not his real name. Um, wonderful man. Well, wonderful man. He's a Glaswegian. And Glaswegians are incredible people. If we've got any Glaswegians here, it's a great city. Love them. Very, where we were, we were inner, inner city. Really there. And I remember going to Yu's house for the first time, and his wife came to the church. He didn't at that point. And I, 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 he said, come in, come in. And I was greeted by a sight that no pastor's manual helped me to find a way forward. He was sat on the sink with his trousers down, soaking his bottom in a, in a bucket of cold water. And uh, my pastor's manual didn't tell me what to do, Adrian. My training at Evening Bible College did not say what to do when confronted by a man you don't know with his bottom in, in a bucket of cold water. And I came and he said, hey, help Pastor, my hemorrhoids are killing me. And I quickly walked past him into the room. thought, dear God, I, what, what do I say about that? Thank God a little while later he got saved. They had five children and wind the clock forward a few years. Sadly, their marriage hit some really difficult... He's found the Lord, and he's going on stronger now than his wife. He stopped drinking, he was an alcoholic, been in jail, all the stuff, and he found Jesus, and he was great dad. Then his wife, sadly, had an affair with somebody else and left him. And he's got five kids. And it's just a tra- tragedy. And as a guy, obviously, I have empathy there. Ladies have empathy the other way around, but my empathy was toward this man. He's trying to serve Jesus. She was wrong. But she um, decided that she wanted all the children to come and live with her and her boyfriend. So he tried to resist this and went to court. And so the night before the court case, um, I was called to his house. Tenement building, four stories up, bit of a veranda. And he said, Pastor, would you pray? I don't know what the result will be tomorrow. If I lose the case, all my children will go. He had two beautiful twin girls, about eight years of age, really beautiful and so I went round the house. It was about 10 at night. They were all fast asleep. I went round every room, and I prayed for all the children who were asleep in their bed. And we sat outside, and we talked about the next day, and we prayed that we'll get whatever result, we'll find a way through. And the next day, the court case went against him. I went back to the same house at the same time. No kids. All the rooms are empty. All the beds are empty. All the toys have gone. And he sat on the balcony, he says, Pastor, I want to jump. I, want to, I just can't go on. And I'm talking, and you know, that's the point when quoting a Bible verse didn't help. I put my arms around him, and I just cried with him, and we hugged each other. I said, Shug, you've come to know Jesus. You know, I'm going to ask you something that's incredibly difficult. Are we going to trust him when you can't trace him? It makes no sense. She's gone into sin. Kids have gone. Judge taking the course, he's a great father 
that the kids are gone and it's just trauma and tragedy and tears. It's just the most horrendous situation. And I'd love to tell you that he did a wonderful job from day one. It was tough. But I tell you, by his fingernails, he kept trusting. And whenever there was prayer at church, he came out for every appeal that was possible. He came out for, he came out for appeals for women with period pain. You know, he, just, he was so desperate for God, he came out for everything. Before the service started, he said, Pastor, we have an appeal today. I, I need more prayer because I'm going under. I'm going under. But he recognized in his simple Glaswegian way of thinking, he needed some breath. The drums were not going to do it for you. It was breath he needed that was going to get him through the tragedy. And I thank God they got divorced. He got remarried, had two more children. And one by one, every one of the other children came back to live with their dad as they got a little bit older. And God put that family that was broken and shattered back together. And you know, that Jericho fell because of the Spirit. There's nothing more we could do, no legal help, nothing. Pastor, I want to jump. That's one of the stories in the book. That's why we love telling these stories. It's not, it's not just out of back pain. People went through imagine, Im- immense pain. But that man kept standing. And he still phones Margaret every now and again. He lives away from Glasgow now. And it, the, the story starts out with a, a, a stick, pencil-thin man in a stringy vest. And he always says, Hello, Margaret. It's the man, pencil-thin man with a stringy vest here. And he's about 68 now. But... Um, He's just, just a, a character, and we love him. But he came through a tragedy by allowing the breath. And guys, what is it when we have an appeal? So often we think, well, that, that's for the needy people. I mean, I'm a leader now. I don't need prayer. I mean, what planet are you on? In Glasgow, when the Spirit fell in our church, I said to every preacher we had, if you have an appeal, would you pray for me and Margaret first because we are the neediest two people in this church. We need more of the Holy Spirit than anybody because to pastor this church, it's an exciting church, it's a growing church, but we had death threats, we had prostitutes plying their trade in the church car park, we had drug deals going on in the toilets, people collapsing with heroin a dose, we had it all. It was raw, raw church. And um, we, we had sad things. The lady came back of a honeymoon and some drug addict stole her bag with all of her wedding photos in, lost the whole record of a, of a, a whole of a honeymoon. And things that happened that were really traumatic stuff. But I tell you, the Spirit's the answer. And I'm a man. I am. I am. Even though I'm a pastor, I'm still a man. And we fix things, guys, don't we? We're the go-to men. We, let's make something happen. We'll fix it somehow. And we're so self-resilient sometimes. And we play the drums. And I tell you, we've got to learn... It's the breath we need. It's the spiritual disciplines when no one sees them. No one knows whether you prayed this morning, getting out of bed or not, or whether you prayed once in the last month. No one knows. No one knows. They'll soon find out eventually by your fruit, but, but you know, initially no one knows. If you were looking at something on the internet last night that was wrong, nobody will know just yet. If you're watching TV with some wrong, if you're listening to gossip, if you're involved in some filthy talk, nobody will know just yet, but give it time. Give it time. Because man's effort will not solve things. It's only the Spirit of God that, that brings these things to, to pass. And oh, I, t- I could tell you so many things. That Why is it we run empty? My wife, who's almost perfect, 
she's here today, written books, she's a, she's a classical pianist, and the best kisser in Scotland, bar none. <laughs> Got it all. But there's just the odd thing, just the odd thing about her that sometimes surprises me. She used to have a, 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 a little blue Fiat you know, one of them little things where big men don't get fit in very well. But she got this little blue Fiat and got little furry things in the front that girls do. And I try never to drive it because when, once I'm in it, you need a block and tackle to get me out. It's just one of those things when I was bigger. But this particular day, in fact, probably seven times I've had to use her car. Something's happened every single time I've got into Margaret's car. Every single time. I get the key. She throws me the keys. I sit in, adjust the seat, and I turn the engine, and it roars to life, and a light comes on. Every single time. And it's a red one that says, empty. <laughs> and so I have to go to Morrison's, get out my credit card, and put some petrol in her car, because she seems to have the gift of running a car on fumes don't know how she does it. I'm a man. Once it gets below half, I start to worry. If it gets to a quarter, I'm almost in tears. I've got to get it filled quick. It's just a male thing. Quarter, we could break down. Who knows? Traffic jam. Get some petrol in. No, Margaret, God will answer me. Fumes, he'll transport me. <laughs> what is it? We smile. One by one or two of us smile. Um, what is it about is that we think that we can live our lives on fumes? that we live, we're dining out on Toronto 95. Well, I had a wonderful experience I got in 1995. God's spirit is available every single day because we all leak. We all leak. And if we're going to walk towards our Jericho, we have got to also praise and let the spirit of God come on us. And it's such an important thing that I learned this many, many years ago when I was the youth pastor in Derby and, and we had 120 young people in our church, in our youth group, it was a great youth group and a lot of them met, fell in love, got married, had children, hopefully in that order. And when they had the baby, guess who they wanted to dedicate their child? Me. And the very thing that we're, we're praying for for years to happen it's very difficult when yet there's another people who are barely saved, barely living for Jesus, having a baby just like that. And I'm holding another baby of somebody else. And I'm thinking, I'm trying not to judge, but I'm thinking, well, my life is sold out. Margaret's life is sold out for God. There are no medical reasons why we can't have children. We're both absolutely 100%, in my case, 120% male. You know, everything's working as it should. You doubt that? <laughs> Think back 40 years. When I had ribs, I was special. But you see, guys, it was difficult. But what do you do? Do you quit? <laughs> or do you decide to keep praising as you're walking towards your destiny and saying, this is not going to stop me. I'm going to find a way with God's help. He's spoken, and I'm going to take a step. Maybe a baby step, but I'm going towards. See, the whole purpose of Jericho's is either to make you stop still or go backwards. That's what Jericho's are about. 
so you don't go for your destiny or whether you're going to keep walking. And the final, you got okay for the final thing? You okay? Just one more? Not too long? Sweets of that, sweets of the back row there. If you want them, pass them forward. The final thing in verse 10. No, just go back there one second. You've got to make a decision today. Do you blow a trumpet or do you bang a drum? Choice is yours. I hope you'll blow a trumpet tonight. I hope you'll realize that it'll only be by the Spirit. And the final thing in verse 10, and I, this really blessed me when I first had this sort of revelation I felt from the Lord. We're Pentecostals. You know, you're a Pentecostal church. Do you know that? We believe in the things of the Spirit, don't we? And verse 10 says, verse 10 says this. It says, But Joshua commanded the army, do not give a cry, do not raise your voice, do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout, then shout. Here's the temptation of a Pentecostal conference now. There's 5,000 rabid Christians in Long Eaton and um, the music's been going and I invite the band back now and say, Tim, I want some real shouty music. You ready? I want, I want you to roll that piano. I want the piano to go up and down. Now, come on now, folks. We're in, in the name of Jesus. The Bible says shout and we're going to shout and our walls are going to come tumbling down. The only problem, the only thing we all get is a sore throat if God hasn't told us to do it. If God tells us to do it, things will happen. And I think one of the things that sometimes when you hear in a conference speak mentality, we get this a little bit confused and we think, well, if we make this big shout and it hasn't changed. To me, what this speaks to me of is at some point along the journey, God will ask you to do something that's outside your comfort zone. I don't know what, it probably won't be a physical shout, but let's face it, it's bad enough walking around the town with all these people they're throwing bricks at you. They're hurling names at you. Jolly idiot. You, think you are, you load of wasters. And then what you've got to do, you're really out there. Because they're going to do a loud blast of the trumpet, spirit. Then we're going to shout. I mean, come on, we're human. Imagine what we'd have been thinking. Well, what if nothing happens? What if when we shout, I get another brick on the head? They didn't know the answer till they shouted. And to me, this is, is, is a, a thing along my journey. My shout, when it came to speaking, was saying yes for the first time to give a, an epilogue. That was a massive shout for Kevin. Because everyone laughed at me because I stuttered. To, I couldn't use a telephone until I was nearly 18 years of age because of a speech impediment. And so I was saved for two or three years, and people would say, would you give a testimony? No! Would you open in prayer? No! Would you read the Bible? No, reading was particularly hellish. I mean, I, I was 15, 16, 17 from a council estate with the authorized version. It was, there's no way I'd ever read the Bible in public, you know. And so I just assumed I would always be the guy, the girl, sat at the back, never did anything. Then someone came to me and said, Kevin, I believe God got a word for me, for me, and says... God loves to take the foolish things to confound the wide. And I was a bit offended. I said, what do you mean, I'm a fool? He said, no, you can't speak. You can't put words together. You're not well educated. You have this impediment. But I believe God's going to use you. And if you'll open your mouth, I believe God will say, says to you that he'll fill it and you'll be amazed. He, he didn't prophesy 
being a minister, earning a living. He said, God's going to use your voice. Now, there's the shout, guys. Do you believe that? Or do you say no again? I decided to say yes. And I'm not being rude, but I spent longer on the toilet than I did giving my testimony. I was terrified. You've got to imagine what it's like if you've got a speech impediment. My stomach was rumbling. It was just, it was just, it was just a horrible moment. And I gave my little testimony. It came out in a rush. And that night, three, three boys gave their life to Jesus. And it was, like, it was like God showed me that if I'm prepared to raise a shout, then all things are possible. Because God is able. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Is that true or not? Is that true or not? Hello. I've nearly finished. Give me two minutes. Match of the day's on soon. Definitely will be over by then. You know, shout when God says shout. I have no idea what your shout will be. I mean, just imagine. I pick on Tim a lot. I don't know why. because He's smaller than me. That's probably why. And uh, I've, no, I've known him for a long time. But just imagine God said to Tim, put your guitar away for five years, go to Bible college, become a pastor. I mean, he's, he's phenomenally good. I don't think he'll do that, but, but that would be a, a shout. You know, for some of you people who've retired, to go on a mission trip for three months to India and to, to, go, to go and live abroad and spend your life helping in an orphanage while you've got your strength and your health, could that be a shout? Could it be doing something that you've never done before? Because there comes a moment when I believe here, I believe in my journey, almost every time I've faced the obstacle, as as I've kept trusting and going one step at a time, as I've kept allowing the Holy Spirit to fill me, I'm getting ready, there comes a moment when God says, right, Kevin, do you really mean this? Is the church really my church? Finish with one, one story, one shout, close with this. Um, I'm a small P Pentecostal pastor, ex-brethren, and we, we began to get hit by the Holy Spirit in 2004. And I used to pride myself, no matter what happened, we would always get communion in every Sunday. Because I'm in charge, I'm the pastor, and uh, whatever the Holy Spirit is doing, I will always find a way to get communion in. I'm not religious, but we will get communion in. And so this one particular Sunday, some years back, amazing presence of God. And uh, I, I turn to the keyboard player, and I give him the, the signal, which is sort of a, just lower it down a bit, because I'm about to soften the voice and just start to get us to come around communion. The keyboard player who worked for the Ministry of Defense had, I think, was over 200 people. Very, very respectable man. Signed the official secret. Took one look at me and went, eh, fell over. I just lost the keyboard player. As he went over, I thought, you're sacked. But I thought, don't worry, we've got lots of other people. We can still do communion because it's now quarter to one. And quarter to one in Glasgow Elim, it's communion time. Okay, we're not religious, but quarter to one, it's time. We always have communion, and I'm the man. To, and I could see people looking at me. You know, one or two of the people, the people who are not really the feelers, but the thinkers, saying, how are you going to handle this one, Kev? And so I, I turned to the deacons, um, and there's four of them. And uh, I said, guys, would you come forward and help me serve the emblems? Four deacons stood up, took two steps, boom, 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 on the floor. I lost all four. I am so godly, I go to one of them and kick them. And say, 
communion. Because it's 10 to 1 now. This is, this is the latest we've ever been. And so we will have communion. And I'm getting really panicky now because it's 10 to 1. And so um, it's not true in this church, but in my church, the barely saved used to sit at the back. And so I used to invite, I, I invited four people from the back to come forward. They were a lot less affected, but they got four steps fallen over. I've ended up with 17 bodies on the floor. There's no one left but me. The praise band have gone. There's just me. It's five to one. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking to myself, don't drop the water. I'm thinking to myself, never mind, I'll do it by myself. And so I come off the platform because you see, I get things happening. I'm the go-to guy. We will get communion, Sally. You might stop my salary. I know what you're like because you're a bit religious and if we don't get communion, I'm finished. So, so I've got to please the elder. Forget about the church, 250 people there. And, I, and so I come down and I get hold of the bread. I'm about to break the bread. People on the floor, accountant, sold his first company for 10 million at 24. He's laying down there. There's a chap who, who run one of the biggest car parks in Glasgow down there. These are, these are quality people on the floor. They're not idiots. And as I get hold of the bread, they're laying down, and they all start to laugh. They can't see me with the bread. They're just laying on the floor, and they start to, start to get holy laughter. What do you do? It's three minutes to one. I mean, this can't be happening to me. This can't be true, Adrian. Will God stay on his throne past one o'clock if we don't get communion in? I'm not religious, but... And so I stand there, and I, I say, I t- I'm, I'm sweating. And I stand before the... I think, Church, I think this morning, the Lord may be saying not to have communion. They all cheered. Everyone's cheering. Hey, the plonker's got it. So I got everyone to stand up. And, and this was radical back in 1996. We moved all the chairs to the side. And within about four minutes, out of 250 people, 230 people were slain in the spirit. Just the power of God hit the place People are on the floor everywhere engaging with God. It's an amazing meeting. Truthful, I go home depressed because we've not had communion. Because I failed, because I've been trained all my pastoral life that whatever happens, you take control. And it, this just had, it just, just lost all control. And I go home disappointed. And I, this is true, it seems silly now, but I went to my bed in the afternoon. I'm very fond of bed. I, I went to my bed and I'm praying and I remember I did something I said Lord here's the keys to the church I am so sorry I think I'm the chief shepherd but you're the chief shepherd I'm the under shepherd and I made a promise to God this was my shout that when you, you move anything time in my churches wherever I'm speaking I promise I will be obedient to the, the flow of the Spirit. And I was 42 years of age. And that was, that was, that was a, and the most amazing shout. I gave God his church back. He said, it's your church, not my church. It's not my ministry. It's your church. And you see, sometimes we have to just do something. Now, you'll be pleased to know, we're not going to put all the chairs aside and, uh, and make some kind of religious formula Never happened again. That was once, once in 16 years that happened once. It's a one-off situation. But what I'm saying to you is, I don't know, but if you're prepared to keep trusting, if you're prepared to keep praising and letting the Holy Spirit keep engaging with you, 
the $64,000 question with which I'm going to close. If God asks you to do something that's outside your comfort zone, something you've never done before that seems totally out of character to where you are, <coughs> have you got the courage to do something that you're too totally uncomfortable with? Or have you got so comfortable? Let's pray. Tim, would you, would you mind coming back? Or someone just come back and just quietly play? Would you mind? You've listened phenomenally on a Saturday night. It's amazing to see so many people here. Thank you for the privilege. I, I just felt as Adrian was talking and Tim was leading in that our God is able and about trust to share that with you. But what do we do with a word like that? Well, I, I, I just can't help think there must be a response, guys. Just, would you just begin to play just quietly, Tim? Let's just close our eyes just a moment. <coughs> I wonder whether there's some people here who've got a Jericho. I wonder whether you're here and you're saying, Pastor Kevin, when you were last here, life was just so brilliant, but since then, something is intimidating me. It could be health, it could be finance, it could be a relationship. I don't know what it is, but right now you know if there is something trying to intimidate you and trying to get you to shrink back from your destiny. And all I know today is the things that were applicable in the days of Joshua, I think, are still applicable today. I think those principles that I shared, I wonder whether tonight you're here and you're saying, well, I can't trace him. I don't know why this has happened. It is really, really, really upsetting and frightening. But even though I can't trace God, tonight I want to make a declaration that I'm going to trust him. And that means taking a step. It means putting your faith in action and taking a step. That also means as you walk, it means staying open to receive fresh impartation of the Holy Spirit. To receive the strength and the, the, the wind, the breath that can work internally, that can strengthen the spiritual muscles of faith. It's all about the internal. Remember, Jerichos don't fall by human effort. They fall by the breath of the Spirit. And the final part of what I'm going to ask you to respond to is, please don't respond if you're only prepared to do the first two things. You say, well, that's big enough. I'm going to walk and trust. Well, that's great. Well, I'm going to keep receiving that. That's also fantastic. You see, the final key is saying that I'm up for something extraordinary. At the point God says, I'd like you to raise a shout, and it may be something that you have never done before. That's the thing that you see. That, well, God, I don't know what it is, but when you reveal it to me, I'm going to make a commitment right now that I am not going to stay in my comfort box or my comfort zone. And if only if you tell me to shout. Hear me? Only if God tells you to shout. Not because you've seen a tape or read a book or heard a sermon. But in your spirit, you say, this is God. I wonder if that shout could be for someone to double tithe through you. Go on a mission strip. Actually say sorry to somebody. I don't know what it would be. But I know, through the foolishness of preaching, as best as I know how, I have administered 
what I believe is the Word of God. And would you quietly stand before the Lord, please? Just quietly. If you can stand, if your legs are tired, then you don't have to. But if you can, would you just quietly stand? Would you just quietly stand to your feet? You're looking at a man at the front who is a very flawed man. I'm not perfect. I tell you, I face some Jerichos and... If some, God's going to open a brand new door in the next year for me, something really special, then no doubt I'll face another Jericho. So the same thing is true for me. Will I keep trusting him and keep walking step by step? Will I keep being open to the Spirit and say, I need more of you, Lord, because I leak and I, I want the breath of God inside of me? And even after 45 years of being a Christian, would there still be something God would say, Kevin, Here's a new shout for you. Are you up for a new adventure? If you feel in your heart that you want to respond to that, then all I can do, and please hear me, this is no sense of trying to make it, but I'm just trying to help you because these guys began to walk. They, they put action to their decisions and they chose to walk around the city and they began to walk towards their Jericho. And I'm standing here tonight, I'm, I'm, figuratively, I'm hoping that you're seeing above the Jericho and I'm representing Jesus to say, will you keep your eyes on Jesus? When you look up, what do you see? Do you see Jesus or Jericho? And maybe the whole thing is a change of focus. And if you need to respond in your heart to this, please, I'm not, I don't want to embarrass anybody. That's the least of my choices. I, I, normally on my first meeting now, I don't normally have appeals and we pray for everybody, but, but I just really feel you can't preach this without a response. And so if you really feel God is speaking to you, I'm going to ask you to hear me. The spiritual thing in the moment is to walk. The prayer will be the icing on the cake. The actual spiritual act will be you leaving your seat and coming to stand here and saying, Pastor Kevin, I'm walking in trust, even though I can't trace him. And I'm trusting him to fill me. And I'm saying that when it comes to shout, I will shout. If that makes sense to you, please come and join me at the front. Take a step forward from your chair and just come and stand with me. That's all I would ask you to do as we bring this time towards a close. Just come and stand with me at the front. Just leave your seat if you feel that somehow through the foolishness of preaching, God is speaking to you about trusting him when you can't trace him. We wait just a moment for you to come. God bless you, people are coming. Don't wait for anybody else. I'm not standing here as the preacher. I'm standing here as someone who knows I need this. So if you need to come, just come and join us. This space at the front, space at the side. We're just saying, God, we're going to trust you when we can't trace you. We're just standing in trust here. This is, this is a spiritual act. This is the most significant thing. It's you walking. The prayer is going to be just the icing on the cake. But the spiritual action you've taken, these men began to walk around the city. And you're saying, even though I cannot, I cannot, if the elders are here are going to help me in a moment, we're going to just going to lay hands on you. But hear me, this isn't about whether you stand or fall or shake. Already, heaven is responding as you've walked. That's what I've asked you to do. That is the spiritual action. That's, that's the key tonight. God sees you're a walker that you're walking towards Jericho. You're not going to shy back. You're going to go for God. You're going to trust him when you can't trace him. 
You're going to be open to the breath and open to the, open to the wind and you say, Lord, I need the wind. I need, I need the internal filling of the Holy Spirit again and again. And when the moment comes, I'm going to say yes to the shout. A lot of people at the front need the elders to help us pray, please. We're going to just ask God, if Tim, if you could quietly sing over. I'm going to pray one prayer over Margaret, if you help to pray too. I'd like to pray a prayer collectively and then we'll just seal this by laying hands on you and just trusting God with your decision that you're a walker towards Jericho. Father, I just pray for these wonderful men and women, Lord. I've been here 10 times in my life, 20 times in my life when I've had to walk towards Jericho. I, I have such empathy. I've been there when it seems so difficult, when Jerichos are so intimidating. Prayer team, begin to pray with us. I'm praying. Uh, it, Lord, it seems so intimidating, but Lord, right now, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we've got out of our seats and Lord, we've declared that we're walking in trust. We're walking, we're deciding, Lord, it's a done deal. We trust you, even though we can't trace you. We just say, Lord, you don't have to show us. We, we just know you've been good enough in the past. We're going to keep walking into our destiny. We want, Lord, to be in the 10%. We want, we want, we want to go all the way, Lord. We want to be in our 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, and even into our 80s. We want, Lord, to be radically for you. And Lord, Holy Spirit, right now, I just pray over these wonderful people, Lord. I just pray along with my brothers and sisters that right now, Lord, it won't, they won't fall by our effort. It's not our mental powers. It's not the power of our pay packet or our salary. It's not about our talents and giftings, Lord. It's all about you. And it's about your spirit, Lord. And we're sorry when we played the drums. We're just sorry, Lord, when we've tried to solve it with our intelligence, our gifting our talents, our energy, our finances. And we just say, Lord, we're sorry for that. We're not wicked. We just try to solve it in our own strength. But Lord, we just say, Lord, what we can we say right now, would you just breathe the breath, the ruach, the wind, the wind instrument, the ruach, the breath of God. We need the wind, Lord. And I just pray, Lord, for everyone who's come forward, Lord, that in the name of Jesus, we just say, Lord, tried it myself it doesn't work lord i need you more and more and so holy spirit would you come 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 holy spirit would you come thanks tim speak what is true here's my heart lord Here's my heart, Lord. Here's my heart, Lord. Speak what's true. Cause I am found. I am yours. I am love. I'm made pure. I have life, I have breath, I am here, I am free, here's my heart, Lord, here's my heart, Lord, here's my heart, Lord. 
speak what is true because you are strong you are sure you are life you endure you are good always true you are life breaking through here's my
We're going to continue to pray gently with some folks. If you're still receiving prayer, that's fine. Our time has come to an end together tonight. Um, Kevin is speaking tomorrow morning and tomorrow night here as well. Um, So we're looking forward to these few days together. I don't feel that you have to rush away. There's some resources at the back there as well. And uh, don't feel that you have to stop praying either. We're going to continue to pray. And if you would like, you know, us to pray with anybody here, then please feel free to come forward still. Okay. God bless you.